Welcome back, everybody, to the Hags Hangout Podcast. Kyle Haggerty here at Kyle Hags on all social medias. Kyle underscore Hags on Twitch.tv. Hope everybody's having a great day and hope everybody's enjoying the week. We came up with a podcast last week. We're going to continue that trend. Got some friends with me. We're having a good time talking about some sports um, and hopefully getting some ideas out there to you guys so that you can support us and we will support you any way that we can as well. Uh, to my left, right, and center, um, I have Geller. Say hi. Hey, guys. How are you? And we got Clark on the phone again today. Clark? What's up, guys? How are you? Guys, busy week. Um, a little bit more of the MLB picture coming to a close for um, playoffs. Um, some, of, some of our teams, our favorite teams, doing a little bit better. Um, got some injuries going on in the NFL. Um, some, some players going down with injury. Kind of, kind of concerning, kind of not. Uh, some of them may be fake, uh, like Dak Prescott, and some of them might be really real. So just to keep an eye out for it. Um, and some other things for projects and stuff going on. I figured, you know, we could probably take it from our fantasy football talks and maybe go towards more um, honing in on teams that we actually enjoyed this week. What do you guys think about that? I think that's a great idea. I'm full of great ideas. That's why you guys are here with me. Come on now. So um, just to kind of start off, I was kind of reading into a little bit of like depth chart battles. Um Things like uh, Jacob Eason, like still, he looked really good in the preseason game. And um, they're kind of like trying to push on uh, the narrative that he's fighting for the secondary spot. Um, but I don't really feel that way. Do you guys feel like uh, these preseason games are meant for that reason? Or is it meant to just kind of get people like in touch, in tune with like what's going on with their offense, just in case the number one goes down? Every, every team's a little different. Uh, I think right now with, the Colts, they need a quarterback for week one. You don't know, you know, Carson Wentz had that ridiculous five to 12 week time frame. And, you know, I, the reports say he's leaning to the lower end of that, but they need, they need a day one starter. And I don't think it's Carson Wentz. And even still with his injury history, you have to have that next guy ready to go. Uh, if Jacob Eason is that guy, you want to see as much from him in preseason as you can. And if he's not, preseason will tell you that he's not. You got to look elsewhere. I think that, like, I think it really just depends on, like, team approach. So, like, yeah, like, a team like the Colts, like Geller said, like, they need to figure out who their quarterback is going to be week one if Wentz isn't going to be out there. But, like, look at the Rams. Like, Sean McVay came out and basically said he's not playing any of his starters. Matthew Stafford is going to be on a new team for the first time in his entire career, new, completely new offense, a complicated offense, that they would say, and he's not going to take a snap in the preseason. So, like, I think it just really depends on what you're using your practice time for and your team philosophy. You know what I mean? If you think your guys are ready and you have a bunch of vets, maybe you don't uh, you don't need the preseason as much as this like training camp practices, you know? I definitely think this year has gone a lot better than last year. I almost feel like last year we had a lot of injuries coming out of the training camp and coming at, uh, out of the first two weeks of the preseason. And it definitely puts a damper when you draft very early in a fantasy league, which we've been part of before, uh, where you kind of just have to sit on a dead player all year. Um, so I just feel like like this year we've had a lot more fortune in injuries, at least up until this point. You can agree with that or not? As someone who as someone who traded the third overall pick in a dynasty league for <laughs> for Cam Akers, yeah, I will not I will not agree with that. But <laughs> for the most part, like you haven't besides like Akers, you have the Wentz bullshit, and then like you haven't heard, you haven't seen anything like serious serious. I mean, Clay I only get three weeks much- preseason, so. What about the Michael Thomas situation too? I mean, that's not an injury situation. Like that should have been that that, that should have been taken care of in February. Fair. That's, and like, I, like I said, 
I mean, just just from a couple injuries that I've been reading at least up about, like Justin Jefferson um, could be sidelined with a for a week with just a sprained AC joint, which is a lot better than they thought, right? Because when he went down, they thought he could have been a separated shoulder, right? Um, Chase Claypool doesn't have a significant injury from Tuesday's practice, so that that's a huge relief. I know for you too is a huge relief. Um, <laughs> Eagles Devonta Smith participated in drills this week, right? So like Trent Williams for the 49ers didn't practice because of knee swelling. Like it it could have been worse. Like all these injuries that I'm reading. I'm trying to think if there's any other significant names that came out. I'm just looking really quick. I mean. Other than that, I don't see besides COVID sign like list COVID listings like no one's really out at least from the first week of. And games. really, COVID lists are, are a week or two. Right yeah, it's really not a big, as big a deal as it was a season ago. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel that. I mean, like the biggest news to come out of this week is really roster cuts as opposed to injuries, which is a far cry from what it was last year. You know. Yeah, yeah. but that's sorry, but that, like that's the thing though. Like you had a lot of these guys. Like think about training camp last year. Like no preseason, obviously, but. How much work were these guys putting in when we were basically everything was shut down? These guys are coming off the couch, basically shoved right in, no OTAs, no like voluntary workouts, pretty much just in like COVID regulations. And then within a few weeks, they're expected to play like a real meaningful game. So like, I feel like the ramp up process is the biggest thing when it comes to like, especially injuries. And now that we've kind of returned back to the norm, at least with the scheduling, I think that is the reason why you're not seeing as many like catastrophic injury that's definitely a very valid point i like that i i i just i just like that um i i feel like um out of, out of all the things that i could have seen this week this was like a positive going into the season only three weeks of preseason going into a full 17 game schedule well 18 game 18 weeks but 17 games you know absolutely Let's let's shift gears a little bit. We talked about we wanted to talk about uh, all of our own favorite teams. So, uh, Clark, why don't you give us a little bit of a synopsis on what we can expect from your Pittsburgh Steelers this year? Oh boy! I mean, <laughs> it's such a it's such a mixed bag because, like I touched on last week, like there's such a bad taste left in like Steelers fans' mouth and like like the court of public opinion after that, like, catastrophic Browns loss in the playoffs and the, and the meltdown. But, like, it really is just going to be about, like, what the offense can do and what is they're going to go as far as Ben Roethlisberger can take them. Eight and eight is eight, sorry, eight and nine is not going to make the playoffs. Eight and nine is not going to win a division. And you have two really, really good teams in the Ravens and the Browns, like, in your own division. So it's just, like, it's all just going to depend on how far Ben can take them. Like, Najee's going to be good. It's going to be a running back upgrade. But if we can't throw the ball more than 15 yards down the field, then we're not going to have any kind of explosive offense and we're not going to be able to move the ball. So, I'm excited. I'm optimistic because the O-line looks better. I love the Najee pick. The defense, at least, is buzzing a little bit. Melvin Ingram coming in to replace Bud Dupree, I think, is huge. Questions about the secondary. Questions about the uh, the special teams unit. But... Like I think they're going to be a wild card team. Personally, I think I think the Browns probably win the division just based on talent. I think the Steelers probably are a wild card team with Baltimore. I think three playoff teams come out of that division. I think it's the best. I think it's, it's a, one of the one, probably the second best division in football outside of the NFC West. It's a really strong division. You definitely got that right. It's just I don't know. Like I said, I'm optimistic as a fan. 
but like I'm realistic knowing that like if anything happened to Ben or if Ben has plays like he did the last four weeks of last season, this is going to be a very, very long year for Steelers fans. But seriously, though, like shift over to the Eagles, though, Geller. Like, how do you feel? Because like there are definitely some question marks coming out about your offense. There's questions coming out of your new coach. I mean, he's a real great yeah. interview I've seen. So like, yeah, it's a it's been a a very uh... It's been a, it's been an off season to say the least. Uh, <laughs> Eagles obviously going with an entirely new coaching staff. Uh, we're com- as it appears now we're committing to uh, Jalen Hurts for this season as our quarterback or QB one. Uh, there's been so many rumors about uh, the Deshaun Watson situation, and we keep getting linked to him. And to, personally, I, I don't I don't want us to make that trade. It's a big risk right now until all this legal nonsense blows over. Um, as far as uh, the offense, I'm really excited for the talent our wide receiving core is finally starting to show. I love the Devonta Smith pick. Kyle's going to hate me for saying that. Um, it's, 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 we need an offensive line. You could, you could take whoever you want until I get an offensive line. It doesn't matter <laughs> to me. Um, I've seen... Darius Tony, Kyle. Darius Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen... Uh, some phenomenal catches from Jalen Rager in practice, even against the Patriots, an Odell Beckham style catch in the end zone. And that's not the only one he's made during camp this year. So I hope that, I hope to see that translate into the games. Um, You know, Greg Ward's a reliable slot receiver, but I think Quez Watkins is going to be a guy to keep an eye on this season uh, as a potential guy to jump in and be that fourth, maybe even take that third receiver position. Um, uh, the defense is is looking a little better. The secondary is, is absolutely improved uh, from a year ago. Uh, I just I hope this that this new defensive scheme players buy into and we actually blitz, unlike we did in the yeah, preseason game against the Steelers, where I I think we ran zero blitzes against you guys. <laughs> it's not a very Eagles thing to do. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Buddy Buddy Ryan's rolling in his grave right now, uh, and so is Jim Johnson. But uh, yeah, I think there's some optimism. I don't, I don't see us being a playoff team this year. But I, I feel like we're gonna be one of those teams that's like, it's gonna be like week 17, and they're still gonna show us in like the playoff picture. But we're gonna be one of those teams on the outside looking in. I, I feel like that's you know maybe a game or two short of a wild card is where I see this team finishing this season up. It's really a building season with with young QB, young wide receivers. What do you um, think the wild card is going to be for them to get in? Do you think the Eagles are going to win nine games? No, well, five I don't and think five, Eagles are going to win nine games. Five and eleven. I think it's going to be nine. In the NFC East, so. Yeah, like, well, true. Is that card? He said five of the six. Five out of the six. I said five and five and eleven keeps you in the playoff picture in the NFC East week. Yeah, 17. yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the wild card is going to be at least nine. At least nine wins for a wild card spot, probably ten or eleven. Yeah, true. But uh, I, I think we're probably going to miss the playoffs by about two games. That's my prediction without even looking at the schedule. Better than what I think. That's perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I didn't say the wild card. Just, just could be the division. No, all right. Good, good. Um, the Cowboys are still probably going to win 10 games. But yeah, I feel that. Yeah. yeah. Before, before we get to Kyle with the Giants, Geller, do you think Jalen Hurts is the guy? Because, like, no, you, I don't. you said. He did. He's not a Jalen. He was a Wentz fan. Oh yeah, I, I was a big Wentz fan. 
you said because you said that you're against the idea of trading for Deshaun Watson. I mean, stuff came out today that's looking promising towards Deshaun Watson. And a trade for Deshaun Watson, I think, is a trade for the next 10 years, not the next year and a half, two years. So, I mean, yeah, yeah if everything well, goes right. I didn't see today's report, so I'm a little uninformed, but I just I didn't feel comfortable making that trade with all the unknowns and all the baggage that for the past few weeks we've seen from him. If if this looks like it's gonna be good for him and he's gonna, you know, not get in too much trouble for all this shit, I'm on board with it. As you know. But I mean the price is super high. How much of your future do you is he worth is the real question. That's fair. I just I don't know. Like I said, I mean, I like Jalen Hurts as, like, a fantasy quarterback, and I like Jalen Hurts as, like, an athlete. But, like, I don't know. Right. I have questions about his accuracy. I have questions about his leadership. I mean, I agree your receiving, uh, core, is, I agree your receiving core is better, but, like, Devontae Smith is I don't, severely at I don't think. I don't think Hurts is the franchise, personally. I'd love to see him succeed. Prove me wrong. Jalen, if you're listening, because I know you're not, uh, prove me wrong. <laughs> Uh, all right, Kyle, you're you're up. Let's what's, yeah, great. what's it look like in the, the Giants? Uh so there's uh, a myriad of concern, right? So the first thing that concerns me is that Mary is not on the hot seat no matter what happens this year. Did you guys see that report or no? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they it's already said and it came out that they have full confidence in the GM. So I'm already upset about that because that, that just means that my coach is on the hot seat and not my GM, which sucks because I love Joe Judge. I think he's a fantastic coach and I think he's a defensive minded first coach but you don't find a lot anymore. So I really yeah. do. I really do enjoy his coaching style. I enjoy the discipline, um, something that the team lacked in the last five to six years before he was there. Um, and the interim coach that we don't talk about in between that time, um, it just really set a bad precedent for the, uh, the entire team. Uh, one of the things that I don't like the most about my team is, um, and I know that he tried not to say this as like a, uh, as like a preface, but we're very injury prone, especially with the free agents that we signed. So like with Galladay, like he's a fantastic player, um, but he's he, he has a serious injury on his record. Um, Kyle Rudolph, like Leonard Williams has even been injured. So like that also hurts. So I don't know, like it's just like one of the concerns I already have is that they have an injury prone free agency signing. Um, they got rid of Kevin Zeitler, which if you don't know Zeitler, he was literally a leader on the offensive line. I'm not saying that the offensive line was was great, but like we've lost like our our number one and our number two with Nate Solder, who we paid an asinine amount of money to keep on this team. Um, it's just I don't know. It's concerning that we didn't upgrade the line and that we've already also lost two pieces of the line. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson not being on the team is also terrible because um, that was a huge force against the run. At D tackle, um, I, I, tough pills to swallow. But like, if the Giants got five wins this year again, I'd be surprised. Um, they could probably push for seven, uh, but they're definitely not an above five hundred team. They're not a five hundred team. Um, if Barkley stays healthy all year, he probably propels us to three extra wins that we should have. Uh, Jones probably improves, but not by a lot. Um, I definitely don't think he regresses anymore at this point. I just don't think it's. It's good enough. Um, Tony is great. Um, I just wish they would have got an offensive lineman. Uh, I'm not happy with where we're at, and I don't think I'll be happy with where we're going to be at at the end of the season. There were games last year that were very winnable for the Giants, and they did not win them. Um, there was about four games that were decided by less than a field goal, and uh, 
that's special teams is not the issue on this team. It's offense scoring and getting down the field. So if you're asking me as a Giants fan where they're going to finish, if if they had five wins, I think that would be probably right about where I would put them. Um, I think they could win seven or eight, uh, but they need to get an offensive lineman. They need a left tackle. <laughs> yeah, they've been looking for that for years. Yeah, I mean, really... it's it's one of those positions that, like, they always talk about generational players, and they talk about players that you could draft in the first round being cornerstones of your team. Uh, they have not invested in the offensive line in like 11 years. So it's just, it's the same problem every single year. And when they have, they, they haven't picked the right guy. I mean, Eric Flowers was a, a disaster. Yeah, I mean, Eric Flowers should have been recognized as, as a disaster year two when he wasn't, when he couldn't read a playbook and he couldn't understand how to, how to block. And that's his job. So <laughs> if you ask me, like, it's, it's, a, it's all management. And that's why I don't like that Mara's job is safe because. It's literally a culmination of his fault and the ownership team's fault that the Giants are in the position that they're in. I don't want to be a playoff team once every 10 years. I want to be a playoff team perennially. I want to be a playoff team for 10 years. Eight out of 10 years would be, would be successful. Yeah. Like when you're a playoff team once out of every 10 to 15 years, sure, we went to the Super Bowl twice in different time periods, different decade periods when that happened, and we won the Super Bowl twice uh, somehow. Um, that doesn't that doesn't mean that that's success. That that's that's mistaken for success. And I think a lot of Giants fans get caught up in that. That we have Super Bowls. It's not about having Super Bowls. What about being a Packers fan? Like you may have one Super Bowl in the last twenty years, but like you have Aaron Rodgers. You had Brett Favre. Like I wish I had that, where we were making winning 10, 11 games every year, and I had something to cheer for. Like we're lucky we have fantasy football as Giants fans because we don't win games. <laughs> That, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just gonna say that's very surprising for me because like I am I'm a lot higher around the Giants than obviously you are. But like where like, their defense? I mean, I think the defense is solid. I think that the offense. I think the O line is at least a little bit improved. I think Saquon coming back. I agree. The offense should be better. You should be able to move the ball a little better. Daniel Jones is a question mark. And not for nothing, like there's questions about there's questions about every team in that division. I mean, that, they could very easily go one and five in their division, or they could go four and two. Yeah. To be fair, uh, moving the ball wise, uh, they did move the ball incredibly well last year. Um, they forced running the ball, which I think was um, to a detriment at times. But like, it definitely made me feel like we could run the ball this year. It definitely made me feel like running is is a priority because. A lot of it wasn't with Macadon, you know what I mean? Like a lot of it was West Coast offense and it wasn't working. So at least if we can run the ball, we can establish an offense for Daniel Jones. I think that I think that helps him out a little bit. I think his targets and his threats at wide receiver are they could be good if they stay healthy. Yep. I just exactly. don't think I, having no offensive line is very concerning. <laughs> Having having no offensive sure. line when you play in a when you play in a division that predominantly focuses on its on its defensive lines, or you play in a conference that predominantly focuses on defensive based teams, like you don't win those matchups. Yeah, I mean Washington's defensive line is rated to be one of, if not the best, in the league this year, and Philly's always had solid defensive line play. Dallas usually has a couple of studs on their D line, so I mean the Giants really do kind of lack that protection of your franchise quarterback, quote-unquote, for Danny Dimes, they need to address it. You just put Danny Dimes in quotes? No, I should put franchise quarterback in quotes. Oh, okay, good. Dimes. 
Yeah, I mean, that's another battle for another day, um, whether he's a franchise yeah. quarterback or not. I mean, when you look at quarterbacks in the league that win Super Bowls, Daniel Jones is not in that category of of playmaking, um, being being the entire captain for the offense. That's not how he is. Uh, so uh, I look at like a uh, even like an Andrew Luck, like where that's the next tier of quarterbacks, or like a Philip Rivers, where they own the entire offense. Like yeah, Philip Rivers right. didn't win a, a Super Bowl, and like Andrew Luck, a career cut short, but could have possibly won some more Super Bowls, especially with the team that they have now. Um, oh God. Jones is not that person, so I, I also, I, I truly do not feel like he is our franchise quarterback. I, I could be on that. Maybe they'll win four games and get the draft in top two, and then they could pick a quarterback. It'll be great. <laughs> There's a hot take. And then hey, Merrick, and then Merrick can stay on <laughs> as, as the GM all over again. There you go. I have a fun question for you guys. So this year, the NFL schedule is 17 games. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask how you guys feel about that. But before you guys answer, I want to make this statement that 17 games means that some teams have nine home games and some teams have eight, which seems a little unbalanced. But it's unbalanced with fans fans in the stadiums. I think that's a little unbalanced. I I could agree with that. I could I could see that. Um, Do you would you foresee like them adding an 18th game just to even things out? Nope. I could see 18, them. Add, no. I could see them adding neutral sites before doing that. Yeah. And eighteen, I, I believe an eighteenth game is happening. An eighteenth game will be part of the NFL schedule in the next five years because of money and revenue generation. Well, that's what I can that, get on that's board why I think, that I think that was a huge push for the seventeenth game this year. They just took. I guess what did they do? They take another preseason game away. You think, or do you think? Do you think they add another game in? I'm I'm just looking at the Eagles' schedule, and they have three home preseason games. And eight home regular season games. So it seems like there's yeah. teams that are going to miss that regular season game have it in the preseason, which obviously is not the same. It's just revenue. That's all they care about. I mean, yeah, but no, I believe that I think an 18th game will happen. I think what they'll end up doing is I think you add a what you take, I think you push a week. Because look, at the end of the day, like the more weeks you add to the season, the longer the NFL stays like as like the top relevant draw. I mean, if you have hype going to the Super Bowl, if you push the Super Bowl back to the second second Sunday in February, you're going to end up having. That means literally the NFL is on top for from mid July to mid February. Almost six months, pretty much exactly. six months. Yeah, pretty much six and months. Their only re- their only real competition is the NBA. I mean, not the NHL is not popular enough. Baseball, there's so many games, nobody pays attention till like halfway through the season. But like, yeah. what it's gonna, but it's not gonna just be one game. It's, if they go to eighteen games, it's gonna be one game, and every team's gonna get two bye weeks. That's what it's gonna end up. Yeah, being. I agree. So you're adding. So. We probably won't have the Super Bowl until like almost March at that point, because now you're adding two weeks. I think they would cut a sec. I think they would cut a preseason game, or just start everything a week earlier. Like play the Hall of Fame game, like that first, that like second to last week in July. Start everything a little bit earlier, start the ramp up period earlier, and then, like I said, probably if you extend one week back beforehand and one week back or one week forward at the end, then there's your 18 game schedule, and that's your TV revenue, collective bargaining, all. That. Okay. I agree with you, Clark. I totally think we did we do the math if it's every if it's like a specific division that has eight 
home games and nine away games because the Giants also have eight home and nine away as as well as the Eagles. Did we do any? Did, did we do I'm any of the math to find out if the if the Cowboys and the uh, Washington football I'm team? Looking, also I'm looking at Cowboys now. If somebody wants to look, there's up no way. There's no way that Jerry let them not have nine home games. I I want to. Jerry negotiates the goddamn deal. I want I want to agree with you on that, but I don't know. Cowboys have eight home games. Yeah, I guess they're doing divisions. It might be the it might be the whole division this year, and then next year they would switch divisions so that everybody gets like. I don't know. I didn't read that in the CBA. I didn't. I didn't know it was a thing. It makes sense, though. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Looks like Washington has eight as well. So the whole NFC East have eight home games. Washington's got nine home games in 2021 NFL. I mean, that would make sense, though. It's at least a better way to like keep it more organized. It's even in the division. That does make sense if they're going to do it that way. Yeah. No. Exactly. They probably like alternate like the NFC East and the AFC East. I'm like checking the Jets now just to check an AFC East team. I mean, maybe it's just rhyme or reason. Maybe there's no rhyme or reason to it. That's always a possibility. Yeah, it's totally possible. But it looks like the Jets have nine. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about money. Like, like I said, an 18th game is definitely going to happen. Like, it's that. It's that's like it's a, it's inevitable. Like, it's all it's all about money. That's all the NFL owners care about. There's like a stat that like even like the more even like owning an NFL team, you generate at worst like like a revenue of at least like ten twenty million dollars a year. Even if your team is like oh and seventeen, god awful, just from like the TV. That's just like the TV deals. So like, there's so much money involved in this that like nobody even like considers or talks about. Like even with the pandemic last year and no fans in stands, owners like the teams didn't lose any money. Like, owners did not lose money. The salary cap did not go down. Hey, here's something interesting. So, I randomly looked at the Titans, and they also have nine home games. So, maybe, like, the AFC gets nine, and the NFC gets eight. I think every single team has eight home games, and every single team has nine away games, buddy. How does that even mathematically oh, no. work? <laughs> it does work out mathematically, but... Somebody clip oh, this no. because Geller is <laughs> a little off. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Here, buddy. I got you. We're doing, we're doing so well. <laughs> <laughs> Here, buddy. I got you. That was just fantastic. You could read that article if you'd like. <laughs> All right. <Good> topic, <laughs> <Next>. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Anyway, so yeah, my Giants are gonna suck this year. So honestly, um, who do you guys feel like would come out of the AFC and then the NFC as the top team, or maybe even the the championship game? Like, what do you think the top two teams come out of each conference are? Clark. Uh, uh, all right. So just in so give me a second, because AFC wise, but. NFC, I have a rematch of last year. I have Packers and Bucks. Okay. I think the Bucks roster is Bucks roster is incredible. We know that that team is deep. That team is talented. The Packers with Aaron Rodgers. There's no limit to how far they could go. And then um, let's see, where is it? My other my Super Bowl prediction was. Did you bet on it yet? No, I I'm. I did a mock playoff run where, like, I, like, picked my playoff. 
Mm-hmm. I think I had obviously I had Kansas City. Honestly, I think I had Kansas City, and I think I had New England in the okay. AFC Championship. Yeah, because you value New England over Buffalo, you wild man. I'm. I have the Patriots winning like twelve games this year. I think they're both. I think they're both going to win like twelve games. You're insane. They're both be good. You're what? You're a madman. You know that? Oh, no, you're a madman. Why? Uh, because I think Cleveland's better than New England, and I think the Bills are better than New England too. That's fine. Bills are winning the AFC East, in my opinion. They can in still the win the East, and the Patriots can still make the playoffs. That's what I. Yeah, that's what I have. But I have the Patriots. The Patriots are going to win over ten games and be a wild card team, and they're going to make a run, in my opinion. And I think the Patriots. I have Patriots Back cheat. Jones. And I have no. <laughs> if they're if they're winning ten to twelve games, that that means that Cam is killing it, and I think Cam's going to have a good year personally. But no, I have Packers Chiefs in the uh, Super Bowl. Packers Chiefs. Yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, so I have Bucks Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and I have coming out of the NFC. Uh, hold on, I'm reading this thing that Geller just put in there to say that that all the AFC teams will play nine home games. I'm looking at the schedule, dude. I don't see that. I'm looking at the article you posted. Yeah, well, I'm reading. Hold on. <laughs> Didn't we just? Didn't you just go over the Titans and say that they had eight home games? I thought I did. So what I'm the just... hell? So what are you laughing at, boy? I went through the article you posted. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> and oh, it's I copied true. and pasted that. Well, it's true. So either way, I like I like the Bucks coming out of the NFC. I like the Packers. I just don't think the Packers beat the Bucks. I think the Bucks are a better team for reasons that you said. I think the Bucks are a better team overall. AFC wise, I think the Chiefs come out of there, and I think they take out, they beat the Bills to make it to the Super Bowl. So I like the Bills. I just don't think that the Bills are equipped to beat the, the Chiefs. Gal, what do you think? Uh, I also have the Chiefs uh, winning the AFC. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is fucking unstoppable, man. There's nobody in that division I think that's gonna, barring a Mahomes injury, is gonna unseat them. The only team I think is gonna give him a run is gonna be Tennessee. But really? I still have, okay. uh, yeah. That's, I that's, that's what I see. As far as the NFC, Tom Brady has got to decline at some point in time. It's probably not this year. I don't think it's this year. Um, I, I don't want to be cliche and say that. You know, I feel like if good. Tom Brady knew he was declining, he wouldn't play anymore. I, I don't. Yeah, I, okay. I'm not saying Tom Brady knows he's going to decline. I think it's just going to kind of like suddenly, like, what the fuck? He's not. Tom Brady ain't. Tom Brady anymore. Yeah. But um, as far as the NFC, who I see that will come out on top over there, I, you know, I, I gotta say, I don't really know who else. The 49ers are not gonna be there. I don't even know who else to pick. It's gotta be the Buccaneers. I think they're the best team in the NFC. All right. We were I mean, all like, the Bucks wagon right here. We yeah, just have a Patriots mean, guy. I mean, the problem is, like, the NFC is, like, really, like, the Bucks are falling away the best team. Like, the Packers are good, but they're, like, they, Aaron Rodgers can only take them so far. I mean. Yeah. And that's about it after that. <laughs> I mean, the yeah, NFC I, I West has that. three legitimate teams, but, like, the NFC West are all going to beat up on each other, and I think they all have flaws. So, I mean, barring a Tom Brady injury, I don't see anybody being better than Tampa Bay in the NFC and barely anybody in the league. 
Right. The rest of the NFC South is is a hot mess. The NFC East is garbage. I think the NFC West is like some of those teams are a year or two away. And there's you know the NFC North. I just I don't see other than the Packers. I don't think anybody's there. The hot take. The hot take is the Rams. A lot of people. A lot of people are on the Rams hype train. I love Matthew Stafford, so I hope they do well. I love Stafford, but I, I was thinking Sean McVay is the best coach in the league. Oh no, Sean I mean, McVay is a great coach. That team's got good deep weapons. The team has the top player at at least two positions on defense with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, the offense is going to move the ball. I mean, hopefully Daryl Henderson can pick up the workload because I was really high on Cam Akers this past year. R.I.P. And, like, it's just like – but, but like I said, every team in the West has question, question mark. Who's quarterbacking San Francisco? Is Seattle's defense going to be good enough? Can Kyler take the next step with, the, with all the weapons around him? And will the Rams be able to put it all together with a new quarterback? There's questions everywhere. And I think the team with the least amount of question marks and the most, like, solidified squad, has, I mean, it's got to be Tampa Bay. It has to be the Bucks. Hands down. Hands down. You can't – like, I was literally sitting there trying to find a reason to pick a team that wasn't Tampa Bay, and I just couldn't think of it. Exactly. They're, they're, they're five deep at every position. They're like yeah. – I mean, that might hey. be like a stretch, but like – Do they still have Antonio Brown this coming year? Yep, he is on there. They're, yeah, they're, they have all the. They have every. They brought back everybody from that Super Bowl team. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're coming back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it. I mean, I love Tom Brady. I mean, I hated Tom Brady as a Patriot because, like, he ripped my heart out so many times as a Steelers fan. But, like, I love Tom Brady. Like, as a player, like, it's fucking awesome. It's crazy to see this fucking dude in his 40s out here, like, still dominating on top of the league. And I think that's the only thing that, you know, the only thing that could stop this team is that a suddenly Father Time catches up with Tom Brady at some point this season. And if that doesn't happen, I think they're in the Super Bowl. I don't know, man. Kyle I Trask. Don't think that's, I don't think it's going to happen. Blaine Gabbard and Kyle Trask might have something to say to you, Geller. <laughs> but, oh, God. No, it's going to be interesting, though. I'm excited for football. Football's coming back. Well, it'll all play out very soon, very soon, very soon. We're going to pause real quick just to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors. Ready for New Jersey's newest craft hard seltzer brand? Introducing Bougie Bubbles Hard Seltzer. Brewed and packaged in Hamilton, New Jersey, Bougie Bubbles is bringing a fresh spin on the hard seltzer game using real ingredients and zero artificial flavorings. Get Bougie Bubbles today at 33's Brewery. Bougie Bubbles Hard Seltzer. Real ingredients, real flavor. You still there, Kyle? Oh, yeah, I'm chilling. I was just listening to you guys talk it out. Just checking how it was going. Good. No, I know, Kyle, Kyle, you and I talked about it a little bit before. I know we just wanted to mention it quickly about how baseball's kind of winding down. We had a, yeah. I mean, you and I are big Yankee fans. Geller's a Mets fan, correct? Yep. Correct. Mets are about to win in extra innings against the Giants. I was very surprised. Yankees are currently down to the Red Sox, one nothing. But like, I don't know. Yankees are catching fire. That team's that payroll's finally paying off. The Mets, the Mets are a garbage fire. They're falling apart. What do you? What's, what's your comments on the Mets, Kelly? Oh man, I wish Jacob Degrom was healthy. <laughs> uh, Even if he was, I, they don't score any runs, man. They just don't score runs. Yeah, not bringing uh, the bat the every Mets, day. The Mets are. I mean, we've got some decent guys. That, I mean, they're just not quite. <laughs> 
bats just aren't quite performing right now. Yeah, I know going, championships. going into the season, our pitching was, I mean, looking to be top of the you know line. But Stroman, um, you know, a healthy Degrom would have been good. But um, uh, wait, still waiting on Syndergaard. He's been out for like two seasons now. I don't know if anybody remembers who he was. Syndergaard just doesn't. Uh, Syndergaard just doesn't wear a shirt, and he he walks around barefoot on the stadium now. So he's he's doing his own thing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but um, the team that's really catching fire right now is those Atlanta Braves. They have been, uh, they've come to life. They kind of hung around, hung around, and they're uh, they're right there at the right time, getting hot. Best thing the Mets could do is keep pace with the Braves because they play the Braves, I, th- I think, six more times. And they, they play in division after this brutal stretch out of division. I think they play the Nationals and the Marlins, and I think they play them twice in the last oh, few weeks. God. I think they end on, on the Marlins, if I'm not mistaken, too. So they have a chance to actually put together, like, a solid win streak towards the end of the season. And it's all in division. Yeah. So I think they only have, like, one more – they have a series against the Yankees and I think maybe one more series against an out-of-division. Uh, the Brewers, maybe. That might be who they finish with, actually. Um, so that I mean, would be a tough only, one at the end of the year. But yeah, There's only one team coming out of that division right now because, I mean, the, the, I'm looking at the wild card right now and, like, the Dodgers – I mean, they have that wild card spot if they don't uh, win their division. But the Padres are six games above the the Mets right now. And the Reds and the Cardinals, I think, are better teams. So I don't see us getting a wild card yes, spot. Yes, the Mets have to win the division. Yep, I agree. So yeah, three three so. teams are coming out of the West. I mean, the the only thing about the team you didn't mention from the East, the Phillies. The Phillies have the easiest schedule remaining in the in the majors, unfortunately. Like I'm, I'm like yeah, a, yeah. I'm like a closeted Mets supporter, but like I agree that like the Braves, if Acuna was healthy, it wouldn't even be a question. Like the moves they made at the deadline, they were they were aggressive at the deadline. Their young pitching is finally coming like around. They're swinging the bats. Well, that was the biggest thing all year. If the Braves could hit, if the Braves were hitting now, like they if they were hitting in May, like they're hitting now, Braves are up in this division by ten games, easy. And it's funny because Acuna was having an MVP level season before his injury. He's killing it. Yeah. The team just wasn't. Now they're all stepping up. Exactly. And now 100%. It can't, Acuna's out like even even like a deep playoff run, correct? He's out for like the whole year? So, I, mean, I think he had ACL, I thought was the injury. I mean, throw him, throw him in a DH in the, uh, in the World Series. But, like, <laughs> but now, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be tight. I unfortunately think the Mets, I don't think the, I think the Mets are kind of like tailing off. I mean, like Acuna, even like even, Acuna might miss the beginning of 2022 season. I was gonna say, I, yeah, it's, it's confirmed is ACL on Acuna. Yep. All right, so he's not DHing. Got it. Yeah, he won't. <laughs> he won't be available off the bench. <laughs> I mean, Yankee hype though, Kyle. How are you feeling? Talk to me. Tell me. Tell me your thoughts. I know we talked a little about it before, so. So I'm excited about the Yankees because one, we have we have a little bit of fire with this team now. Um, there's some young talent. Um, Rizzo and Gallo and Nestor Cortez are probably the most like adamant about being lively. Um, I know that Frazier was that way as well, but he probably won't be back for the rest of the year. So like that takes away from like the camaraderie, the pomp, like the, the exciting part of of being a fan of baseball. Because uh, like the Yankees are like a freaking boring team, man. When you watch them play. But I think that having some people on on the team that are actually excited to play and excited to to score and be part of this process, the Yankees always have a stretch, always have a stretch in the season where they are miserably bad and then they are insanely good for like a 20 to 30 game stretch. 
and they're on that tear right now. They're on that part where they're really, really good right now. And they're they're building their differential back up for their runs scored versus runs against. Because for a while, the pitching was a little off, especially the starting oh. pitching. Um, and then we just had a two-week stretch where we didn't really have a lot of starters around, but we were still winning games. So now that you have the team healthy, the team's back, people are trying to vie for positions. Luke Voigt trying to put his voice out there saying that he's he's a competitor and he wants to be on this team going forward. Um I'm really excited about what the Yankees could bring. Beating up on Boston is so big as a Yankee fan, but it's also just so big for the division standings. They put Boston behind them now, and like to look forward at Tampa, a team that notoriously has fallen apart in September's, if not August's before, has like that. Like seeing Tampa Bay in front of me is not a threat. Seeing yeah. Boston in front of me is a threat. Like even Toronto was was never a threat, and like to so like. The fact that we're putting ourselves ahead of that team already makes me like super psyched about going further. We have the we have the other wild card. Um, are we tied with Oakland now? Going into tonight, I think we're tied for like the the one spot in the wild card, if I'm not mistaken. So, Correct. Yes, yeah, so we are. We are tied. We we would be hosting right. the wild card game as right yeah, now. Yeah. So like even that alone, like to go from where we were two weeks ago to where we're at now, um, it just yeah. makes it, it just makes it so much more of an like. It gets me amped up because like I'm, I'm excited for the for the Yankees to actually push through and take the division. You're going to exactly. see two, two weeks from now they're going to be either half a game or they're going to be half a game up out of the the, um, the division lead, and that's going to make for some exciting baseball going into the end of September into October. Exactly, and when you have a and when you got a horse like Garrett Cole like waiting for you in a one game playoff, like I feel pretty good. Yeah, I've. There's no doubt in my mind that Garrett will pitch every three days. Like I, I know he would do that, and like we we have had a Sabathia player before, and that person would do that, and Tanaka would do that, and like to have Cole to be able to do that makes me feel way more secure about going forward as well. Exactly, especially with Tyon and Montgomery coming on. I mean, the thing is also it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot. Like the bullpen's been a question mark. But look at what Boston did a few years ago. Boston's bullpen was dog shit when they won the World Series. Yeah, you know for real. They they took they took their back end starters and put them in the put bullpen. Them in the bullpen, yeah, and I, I think we could do that too. We could have four starters and just have everybody else yeah. be in the bullpen, and we'd be fine. Yeah, you're gonna have Sebi's coming back. Whatever we get out of Severino is a bonus because we didn't know what we were gonna get. I mean, you're gonna throw get you can throw uh, what's his name, uh, Lucas Gill. Uh, you throw him in the pen, or if not, he's the fourth starter of Heaney, who is at least has a left handed arm. I mean, yeah, there's question marks, but you have guys that can go out there and fill three or four innings. Yeah, of bullpen relief. God forbid we need to have a starter that goes down or a starter that struggles early in a game. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel pretty good at least about like, at least about the arm talent. I won't say like the headspace because we have a few head cases on our team. Zach Britton's a notorious head case. Chapman's hot or cold, depending on if he can hit his strike ball or hit his fastball. Because he looked so, unstoppable early in the season and then he hit a rough patch where that, that, that was the only thing that was going well for us was our bullpen. And now like, it was almost like flip-flop. Or, well, not flip-flop. It's not that bad. The bullpen is like more around like a 3-5 ERA now uh, consistently. And like the starting pitching is more around 3-5. So like they went from like the, the detriment of the team to being like, the uh, okay, like as long as the Yankees score four runs a game, we could win, you know, which we could do. That's totally doable for the Yankees. Like, the rest of their schedule along the way, I know we were talking about the Mets schedule a little bit, but, like, the Yankees play the Twins after Boston. So, like, okay, cool. They play Atlanta for two games, but, like, they play Noah and Charlie Morton are pitching. So, like, you should beat those pitchers, right? Like, when you think about it, we have month. Even though it's, like, it's Haney and Talion, like, at least, like, 
I, I feel comfortable winning those games. But then they play the A's, like that's tough. Then they play, yeah, that's a huge series because that's a wild card spot right there. And they can even knock Oakland out of the top spot in the division too, um, like far down. Uh, then you got the Angels, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, the Mets, the Orioles, the Indians, the Rangers. Like that's like nine series that are winnable for the for the for the Yankees. Like it's insane. Exactly. And then it's six on it's six on the road in Boston and Toronto, which are gonna which might be important. And then three against the Rays at home to end the year. Yeah, like, and I, I, if if I had to guess at that point, the Yankees are gonna be six games up in the division anyway. But I mean. I, you don't, you can't predict it, right? So, like, when you look at the Rays' schedule, they probably have to play similar teams, but they're looking at playing Baltimore for another game um, after tonight, and then they play Chicago, which is difficult. Philly, which is tough. Um, they have they have to go against Suarez and Wheeler. Like, that's a tough. Those are two tough matchups. Um, then they play Baltimore, but then they play Boston, Minnesota, Boston, Detroit, Toronto, Detroit, Toronto, Miami, Houston, and then us. So, like. In the same nine series is that the Yankees could now take like a five game lead over them. They have four out of the nine of their series is being absolutely difficult for them to overcome. So like it's a big push for the Yankees at this point. Like it's 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 a time to make the it's a time to make the move. That's like it's it's our time now. We have like everything's come together. We're a hot team. I mean like if we're gonna do it, it's got to be right now. There's no no more time to no more baseball left. Yeah, um, I think we keep it at least a wild card spot going into the playoffs. If not, we're gonna win the division over Boston. And I don't think Tampa's even gonna be the, the second team in the division. I think Boston ends up being that second team. That's not a hot I mean, take. I think I think that's realistic. I think I mean I think the Reds person I think the Red Sox overachieved early in the year. I think they're coming back down to earth a little bit. Really? What they should have been. Yeah, I do. I, I, I can see that. I guess. Even with Chris Sale coming back, I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree. Chris Sale coming back is big, but like they didn't make a lot, they didn't make a ton of moves. They needed pitching at the deadline. They didn't go and get any pitching. Like that was like a hundred. Like they got Schwarber. They didn't get any bullpen arms or bullpens weak. I mean, they're outside of Sale. Their rotation's not great. I mean, they lack a lot of left-handed bats. Like down in the lineup, they're very right-heavy, righty-heavy. So like, I don't know. I, I just don't – they were they were projected to be a 500 team going into the season, and they're going to be probably around a 500 team, maybe 5 to 10 over by the end of the year. Yeah, and they'll, like, probably, they'll probably end up being like 15 over. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're almost there now, I think. Or they might even be way better than that right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I also have like PTSD from Tampa. Tampa's always just a team that I can't – I never count the race out, unfortunately. They're just really? Like, they, they have our number. Yeah. That, that was, race – Oh, we did it twice. I just to say, I think we think the Rays are just like a, a team that just like is a thorn in your side, but like they're not, they're not ever good enough to win. I don't know. I've never, I never fear the Rays. That one year, I'm supposed to fear the Rays over one year, two maybe. You can give the two from two years ago. I mean, they're the. I mean, they got the best. They have the best record in the American League for a reason. I just think. I mean, I think they're a good team personally. Like I just. They're they're like a complete team. That's my thing. They don't have like a glaring weakness. It's just funny because exactly. they don't they don't have the payroll and we do. <laughs> we have the payroll. We can, we can't catch up to them sometimes at least early in the season. But yeah, that, that's like I'm glad you brought up the baseball because I you know it's something that we both do enjoy. I know Geller, you're a Mets fan. I know football is heavier on you, and so is hockey. But like it's still cool that like we're we're surrounded by a lot of. Uh, 
geographically there's a lot of baseball in this area as well as there is football so it's cool like that we have some teams that are in it and the Mets are not out of it but it is a difficult climb for them the Yankees look like they're ready to ramp up and get get into the playoffs possibly winning the division and maybe even being the uh the one seed in the um the American League so I don't know you know I love it I love the competition I love the fight in my team do love to see it we love to see it we want to take a minute to thank one of our sponsors. Looking for a beer that's different than the same old boring macro beer you're used to? Come check out Three Threes in Hammond to New Jersey. With a wide selection of craft beer ranging from IPAs to porters, Three Threes has a little something for everyone. Stop in today for a pint of our Back to Reality, winner of the 2019 Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival's Best Hazy New England IPA. Perhaps lagers are more your speed. Try the winner of the 2021 Mana Hopkin Best Beer, Pitter Patter Pilsner. Not in the area? No problem. Three Threes distributes beer all over New Jersey and parts of eastern Pennsylvania. Stop in your local liquor store today and ask for Three Threes. What else we got on board, boys? What else we got? I think close Anything else, Gal? I mean, I was going to say we got a big wrestling week. Including tonight. It is a week. Big wrestling week. I mean, AEW tonight is going to be exciting. Got uh, the rumors for Punk on Friday for first Rampage, and then SummerSlam on Saturday, NXT on Sunday. So. Are you guys looking forward to any specific match during SummerSlam? I mean, SummerSlam is the uh, the biannual biggest event, right? Biggest party in the summer, maybe. I am excited. To get past the Goldberg and Lashley storyline. <laughs> Do you think Goldberg actually wins? Like, because every time he comes back, he wins. Wow. So you think Lashley actually wins mm-hmm. this one, right? Yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I think Biggie might cash in. I think, I, I think that's going. more likely to use Goldberg as a transitional uh, champion for Big E. I don't think Goldberg even wins. E. I, think, I think Goldberg's just in the match. And I think Big E comes out and knocks him out of the ring or something, and then Big ends Lashley and then wins. Like, I think that's how it happens. Yeah, I, 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 I love this heel Lashley. Lashley. I, I think he pins Lashley, Lashley as well. But I, I know. I've yeah, always loved Lashley. Lashley's like my, I, Lashley's my dude since he came in. I've, I've always loved Bobby Lashley. Right, what what match are you looking forward to, Gallery? SummerSlam? Yeah. Do you, want, do you want me to read out the card? Yeah, I guess I don't know the card off the top of my head. Okay, um, so we have Sheamus versus Damian Priest. Uh, McIntyre versus Mahal. Eh. Almost and Siles versus Orton and Riddle. It's going to be fun. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, that, that one has potential. It already is really fun. One. If you haven't been watching that storyline, it's already really fun. It's been going on for almost a year. It's fantastic. Matt Riddle is so entertaining. I love yep. Matt Riddle. I agree. He does a great job in the role that they've given him. I 100% agree with that. They took him out of a big spotlight because of what happened in his personal life, and he's really just adapted to be like a great character on on screen. He's fantastic. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Bliss versus Eva Marie. <laughs> uh, I, I love this Alexa Bliss storyline. That's like, love everything they've done with her with Bray Wyatt, but like... At the behest of Nanya ever hearing this podcast... I would love to to be with Eva Marie forever. So I, I love Eva Marie. Love her. And I I uh, love that she's a heel. 
I love that she doesn't wrestle. I love that she can't wrestle. I love that she has to have somebody else do things for her. I love that she's a little snake. I love it. I love all of it. Yeah, she's great in the role, absolutely. Oh, dude, I love it. She's a terrible wrestler. I just love her. I just like. I've never liked Eva, but I think they found a role that suits her right now as like a pseudo manager performer. Um, what do you yeah, guys? I, I, I mean, I know you. I know you were like Anne for Sheamus and Damian Priest, but do you know? Do you know that Sheamus has been like winning matches by like, not like cheating, but like winning like different ways, like roll ups and like schoolboys, like stuff like that. Like I think that's, that's so unique for his character because he's just a brawler, but he can't beat Damian Priest except for like to run away. I love it. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, yeah. I feel like Damian Damian Priest is gonna get that typical NXT call of treatment that. Keeps happening where he's like pushed really hard at first. I don't know. And he's then the, the only one that's just like relevant right now. Him. He's the only one that's relevant right, since NXT got called up. He's like the only one that's actually getting something out of it. But like, I don't know. I just feel like eventually just kind of do this push, and then so. give up. Yeah. No, I, um, what about, oh, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of like other <laughs> NXT call ups that actually got the good treatment recently, but no one really has recently. Recently, I mean, yeah. really since Kevin Side Owens and Sami Zayn and mm-hmm. um, the Shield, nobody. I mean, I, I mean, think you can, can an argument made for the women. I mean, you can we can wait and see. This the the recent recall up of Finn has been better. Like I like him getting involved with, with Roman and like the title scene. But like, if it go, if it fizzles out, it's nothing. Then like, it fizzles out, it's nothing. But like, here's the here's the hot question: Who takes the title off of Roman, and when? Uh, John Cena. Saturday night. Yeah, honestly, it's oh. probably it's probably Cena this this weekend. I, I, I think hope not. I, th- I think it's huge for for them to push the um, the heel reigns. Honestly, I think that's a huge push I, for him. I think this is. A like a Reigns win that looks really good for his like his character that he's who else John he, Cena. He has to beat John Cena, and then what? He's unbeatable at that point. Is that what happens? I think I think so. And then that and just who, means who whoever be, does. And what's next, Lesnar? Like wh- who beats him after that? Nobody. We just keep the title think, on him for years. I feel he holds, like he holds I, it. He holds it until Mania. Yeah, I think he drops it to whoever the next big push is at Mania. Maybe it's Drew McIntyre coming back for it. Uh, I don't want that. In his in his side, I don't want Drew McIntyre. See them doing that. Drew McIntyre's push is is done and over with. He he had the uh, unfortunately he had the Thunderdome era, and he he could have benefited way better from not being in that era. But we're probably past that. It now it's like a Kofi run. Like we got our Kofi run, and we're over it. I think he gets another run. I don't know when, which title, but I think he gets another run. What about what about this? What if you see what if Big E tries to cash in on Roman, fails, and then wins the Rumble, and it's like a redemption arc, and then Big E versus Roman at Mania, and Big E wins at Mania. When's the last person uh, that cashed in lost? Cena? Um, like no, six uh, years ago. Um, Cena, Stro- Cena. Did Strowman. Strowman won. Strowman won. Yeah. Cash in. Then it was um. Corbin was it? Was it Corbin with Cena? No, yeah, I, I think it was Corbin with Cena because Corbin did lose. I thought Strowman lost too. Did Strowman lose, or did Strowman do like the like announcement, like I'm gonna cash in, and then like? I think he did that, and he lost the match. 
maybe. Because I remember, because, like, he, that was when he got a, he tried to cash in, and that's when he got triple power bomb by Ambrose, Rollins, and Reigns, right? Strowman, Strowman beat Bray Wyatt with the money in the bank. I was wrong. Yeah, Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure it was, uh, it was, like, only twice that that happened. The cash in fail. Yeah. No, Strowman did lose. Okay. I read the wrong article. He lost his cash in. Okay, so that was the most recent one. So I guess it's a possibility that it doesn't. I just think, I don't think that they do it that soon. Another person loses. I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't think that they, when they hand out money in the bank contract, like, I feel like the person has to win. Like, I feel like that person has to cash it in at an opportune time to win. I, if he cashes in this weekend in a, and makes it a triple threat, I could see him not winning. I could see him not taking the pin and not winning. I can see Lashley pinning Goldberg. Faces with money in the bank is always tough for me because it's like, it's designed for a heel. It really is designed for a heel. Always. Like, always is. Faces, that's why Cena, when always, he had it, he, he told them when he was cashing it in. Exactly. But that's still, like, I still love Dean Ambrose's cash in the same night, though, and he was a face. That was so yeah. awesome. But that was only, I don't think that was awesome because it was Roman and Seth. Personally, yeah, I'm not a big yeah. I'm not a big Ambrose fan personally, but like I never have been. But like I think that moment was made by the fact that it was all three Shield members held the title within the span of like 15 minutes. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorite cash-ins, to be honest. All right, I'm getting off this topic because fuck it, and we're gonna move on to the other matches on the card, so I don't lose that train <laughs> of thought because I really want to know what match you're looking forward to. There's two matches. Can we just? <laughs> I, I I have two matches as well, but I want to. I, I like it's fine. We'll we'll go through them all first. Do you want me to go just from the bottom of the card back up and we'll talk about it again? No, I have, I have the card. I have okay. The card in front of okay, so the only one that we haven't talked so far about was um, SmackDown Tag Team Championships, Usos versus Mysterios, Edge versus Seth Rollins. Yeah, yep. that's what I want to say. That's my Take match. My money. Edge and Rollins. Belair and, Rollins and Sasha is Banks match. is my match. So I, f- I feel you guys on those two matches. Yeah, and then Nikki Ash versus Charlotte versus Rhea, which is just a waste of my time. But yeah, yeah um, I don't. Bianca versus Sasha is is money is a WrestleMania main event match every year if they wanted to do it. And Edge versus Seth Rollins is probably the best match on that card. Yeah, All right, so there's, I mean, there's three matches. Sorry, go ahead. Is it is it me adding uh, Bianca and Sasha? That's your third. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's your second? What's your other match then? If it's if your top match is. Edge and Seth Rollins. Your third match is Banks and Belair. What's your What's your second match? Uh, the main event, Roman. I want to see Roman and Cena. I want to see the storytelling. Yeah, bro. I'm in. I'm in on that too. I like that. That's my third match. I I, I think that is. I I want to see how it plays out, and I can see it going either way. So I'm excited for that ending to see where they want to go with it. It's it's one of the few stories that was a really quick burner that actually is working out because a lot of the WWE storylines are really quick burns. And they're done in like two months, and then they move on. And this one, this one could possibly, if Cena takes his title, move on further, month after month after month until WrestleMania when they fight again. I'm, I think that it's like a clash of the titans. It's like it could be like quote unquote the passing of the torch bullshit. Like I don't know. Like I could see Cena winning and being coronated for the first time in front of fans as like 17 time champ, or I could see Roman dominating legitimately. <laughs> And either way, either way, I'd be happy, and either way, I'd be entertained. Like those three matches are, and then like 
I, Seth and Edge is like it's a, it, that's like dream match territory. You don't need to like you don't need to add anything else to it, in my opinion. Like, I'm just looking up what's the card for AEW tonight. So, the main matches for AEW tonight: Melvi Ford, Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express, Darby Allen and Sting versus 2.0, and MJF versus Jericho, where Jericho can't have his theme song song. <laughs> uh the fifth labor of Jericho. Yeah. That's the match I'm looking forward to. That had so much more potential. It had I so know. much more potential. So much more. It's like they ran out of ideas after the third one. After the death match flopped, the other two or to the fourth and fifth have just been like such throwaways in my opinion. Yeah, no, I and it's almost like they like tried to book something else but probably didn't get that opportunity or maybe they were thinking bigger scheme and couldn't get I don't know, couldn't get somebody off a contract or whatever they were doing. They went too big with the people that, like, weren't with AEW. Like, I thought when I heard that the five labors of Jericho, he was going to have to go through the whole pinnacle one by one with different stipulations. That would have made the most sense to me is go through the stable that he's feuding with. Uh, I, I like that they brought some outside people in and had some, you know, crazier stuff, but... And then they ran out of ideas, and they were just like, all right, uh, go fight Wardlow. And it's like, uh, shouldn't that have been, like, the first labor? I mean, but, like, that, I, I agree with that concept, but I, I also, the way I took it was that it was going to be, like, almost like a This Is Your Life segment. Like, you're going to get indie guys that aren't in WWE anymore that Jericho has had, like, historic rivalry with, rivalries with. Like, maybe you bring in, like, Ch- like, you bring in, like, Chavo for a match, like, to signify, like, him and Eddie's shit. If you have, like, right. like they did uh, Hooventooth came in and fought. Like, that was good. Like, they had a lot of history and stuff like that. I mean, the Nick Gage thing was cool. The death match was cool. It was poorly executed for PG-13 yeah. television. Yeah. Plus, like, Jericho doesn't need to be having, like, hardcore, like, Jericho doesn't need to be doing a Hurricane Rana through, like, a plate glass window, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. Not. And then you Plus, look Nick Gage just had... Nick Cage had just had that death match with um, Matt Cardona, like, within a week, so. Yeah. It's just, you lose, you lose me at Wardlow. I mean, I wish, like, it's, the problem is, is that with wrestling, with any brand, like, you can't keep secrets. Like, it's like, the coolest, the coolest fifth labor of Jericho would have been, like, you bring out, like, MJF brings in, like, Punk. And having, like, Punk Jericho relive their storyline from SmackDown. If you, like, Best in the world. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, the best in the world storyline. Exactly. That would have been great. I don't know. It's just, like... That's just, like... I don't know. I don't watch... I I don't watch weekly wrestling either way. I read everything, and I go back and watch anything I like, personally. But, like, with AEW, it's just tough for me, because it's just, like... I feel like they have too many guys... I mean, I look, Rampage is coming. I hope Rampage really, like, fleshes out, like, the... You need to do a brand split, to be honest. I think that's what we will be best for them so that everybody has an opportunity to shine instead of the young bucks need, you know, 25 minutes of TV time on both nights of the week. Exactly. And the Omega exactly. gets 20 minutes of TV time two nights a week. And he's on, um, you know, TNA or Impact. Like, I mean, your champ, Kenny Omega is the top in your, con- in your company. Like, he should have the most TV time. It's the same he way. He should. Agree. 
but, but like the problem is, is that when your roster is eighty-five people and you have two hours of, of, of television time a week, and you have an hour on YouTube that is poorly like advertised on your television show, like yeah, I think they have two of those now because they have two AEW darks. Yeah, because like still the, yeah, cause, cause Paul White's doing one exactly, but it's just like you AEW upgrade AEW. If they don't actually get Punk booked for the Chicago show, that would suck for them. I think that would definitely. Ooh. I think. I think not. I think there would be a lot of people turning off the TV. <laughs> I. The thing is, is they're going to tune in until the very end. Yeah, that's which, exactly they're what they're going to make him do, and they're going to bring out fake Razor Ramon, and we're going to be all duped. <laughs> it's going to be Brian Danielson doing his CM Punk impersonation. And it's going to be. Nah, that, that, they would lose their shit for Brian for for Brian Danielson, but like. It's just like AEW is on like that. Like for me, it's just like it's like creeping into that. Like it's creeping into that weird like TNA territory where they just kept bringing in like older guys, and it's like they have a lot of young talent there. That's like kind of I feel like not getting developed and pushed the way that they should. Like they they see Darby Allen Darby, Darby Allen tagging with Sting and appearing on TV with Sting every week as like making him into like the next superstar, and. I don't know. He should be your world champion, in my opinion. Darby Allen's one of the best things in AEW. I love Darby. I love that Sting is like his like manager, mentor, but he still like gets involved. I think it was the best yeah. thing they could do for Darby. It's just it's great. I don't know. Like, I want I, I, I want to see more pushes for Jungle Boy. I think he's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he's good. I mean, that tag team is good. Him and Luch- Luchasaurus is talented. Um, Love Luchasaurus. I mean, I think Pac is being absolutely wasted there. Not yep. to say he was being wasted in the wasn't being wasted in the cruiserweight division, but like, yeah. he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and and his character work is phenomenal as a heel. And like the fact that like he had, I mean, pandemic, maybe pandemic travel wise, maybe he couldn't come there. That's fine. But he's just like with like he just does a lot with like Pentagon and like Pentagon. I love Pentagon. Like I love, I love the Lucha Bros. Like, they're phenomenal. It's just like, I don't know. I feel like that's another guy who should be your world champion instead of just, yeah, having, I, just, instead of just having the elite basically run the show for the last year and a half. The elite and then Jericho. They pretty much guys, started with Jericho and made the elite, like, wait. And then they were like, all right, the elite's like, all right, it's fucking our show. Yeah. I mean... Moxley's gonna come. Mox is gonna come back. I mean, he's on like technically on like paternity leave now, right? Because yeah, Renee's having a baby, so like she had the baby. To, but I, I don't think he's been missing much. Maybe a week here or there. I uh, to be honest, I, I is he still doing the stuff with um what the hell's his name? Who's the, the Eddie other, Kingston? Who's his, Eddie Kingston? Yeah, is he, he still doing he the stuff with Kingston? Good. I don't think so. I think that kind of kind of went away. I know. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Probably again. I mean, Eddie, Eddie Kingston jumped on a bomb for the man. I don't know, man. That's like you can't throw that yeah. away. <laughs> it's great because they had that storyline where like they used to be like best friends, and then they like bitter enemies over the, the title. And Eddie, I feel like Eddie Kingston just gets like a booked by like a tw- rolling a twenty sided die. Sometimes he has a family, and then he's buddies with just Moxley. It's all over the place. But that's what happens when. But that's what happens when you have the wrestlers writing their own show or their their own stuff. You know, you, they're like 
the ones who are good at it and the ones who like are strong with their promo work and strong with their storyline and character development are going to thrive. The people who don't, who need that guidance, who need that writing done for them, are going to flounder. And like, that's why you see guys who have developed character work like thriving in AEW. While you see a lot of the guys who are younger, kind of like along for the ride. I don't know. I just like I said, I'm. I'm more, I would class myself more as a WWE NXT fan than AEW, 100%, but, like, I still follow the product because I'm a wrestling fan. I don't know. They haven't, they haven't done anything to really, like, suck me in yet, and, like, maybe... Me Danielson, either, bro. Hot take. Like, Dan, like, Danielson uh, and Punk, maybe that'll be cool, but, like, I don't, I, like, I love it. I love them in WWE. Like, I don't care that Christian Cage is, like, the Impact Champion and appearing on your show. I don't care that Miro, like... Is your TV like champion your TV or whatever? Champion. You're a TV champion? Yeah. Like, it, it is what it is. Like, I don't know. It's just, there's good aspects of it. You think there's like a big talent difference from the talent that they got from outside their company versus the talent they've grown? I, I mean, I, I do. So I just flat yeah. out. I think MJF is the best thing they have, and then maybe Britt Baker. MJF, Britt Baker, and Darby Allen are the. They like they built them very well. Like you have you have like a hand. You have like five or six guys who you can legitimately say were not not like nobodies, but weren't like created by WWE guys. Yeah. Who came about, in and about, are doing that? What about Hangman Adam Page. I mean, he, like, also, I, he also had a storied career before he was even there, right? He was part of the elite in, in AEW. It was a little bit. I mean, it wasn't a it, long story, but. No, it wasn't I mean, before AEW. Didn't he have, like, a big career in Japan? Yeah. Japan, he was in Japan in ROH, and he'd been on being the elite for the last, like, two and a half years prior to, which is why, like... Yeah, he was, like, the, he was, like, the, like, elite guy on the elite, like, the bottom of the ladder of the elite in, gotcha. the, uh, in Japan. And yeah. they spent, like, a lot of time on his character. I saw a whole thing about, like, his whole arc with, uh, with leaving the elite and basically becoming an alcoholic because he just couldn't live with his failures. And then, like, the Dark Order has been the ones who are trying to, like, show him, like, hey, man, like, you are good enough for this. And, like, he was supposed to have that match with Kenny Omega, the title, and I believe he was actually going to be booked to win that match, but it didn't happen. Yeah, he's having a kid. He's getting pushed off. Yeah, he's having a kid. That's why they didn't want to put the title on him. But, like... Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's just... I, I, I like I, Hangman I, to that point. Like, I like Hangman. But like I said, there's maybe like five to six guys that are like legitimately in built and AEW, and then the other 35 that they brought in are just kind of like mid-card floundering. And that's like... I, and I don't like that. And WWE's guilty of it too. Like, the same way that indie guys join AEW and aren't used well, is the same way that NXT call-ups are, go to Raw and they're not used. Like wrestling's the same no matter what no matter what company you're you're looking at. Like most of it's shit, and you you latch onto the stuff that you like. There you go. That's it. That's He's it. right. <laughs> you're right, though, and and that's why. Like I I don't even really watch the product for WWE anymore. I just I kind of like I like the big pay per views. I rewatch through like the build ups if there are any, but there aren't very many, and like. I try to look through the homegrown talent in AEW. I'm not impressed, and um, I, I like 
I like that there's another option. I just feel like it's another impact. Like it's another, it's a, it's another company that is going to overtake the big guy, and it's fine. But like, don't tell me you are, and then show me that you're not. You know what I mean? That's how I feel every week when I watch it, or anytime I watch like, dude, if I watch another mid card match where it's like slow motion going through the moves, I'm gonna vomit because like I can't watch that shit. It just bothers me so much. Yeah, if I have to watch another Scorpio Sky versus like seven from the dark, dark order, like, I'm not. I get the point of like trying to push the characters and getting the point of trying to like get the people like exposure, but like I'm like I'm like you. I'm like there's like ten people that are like worth latching onto, and I'm like most of them are from the WWE. I'm not saying WWE signs all all like just W. Excuse me. I'm not saying AEW signs just all WWE X talent. Because it's not true. I don't think that's true at Correct. all. I just Agreed, think that yeah. the ones that they do sign, they're utilizing as the forefront of the company anyway. So, And you need people like that to build the company. It's just that they're not top dogs. They're not Roman Reigns. They're not John Cena. They Yes, you have Chris Jericho, but Chris Jericho is doing it because he's Chris Jericho. He's not doing it because he's like, you know, this is the right like career move. If I was 18, if he was 18, he'd be with WWE. It's what he did with WCW. You know? So like, People no, either pass their prime. Yeah. No, you got to finish up. You're good. I'm saying it's people like pass their prime or past the point where like they're useful on WWE, especially with the the amount of money that company like WWE has lost, and they still have to wait for Vince McMahon to die before they can start growing talent again. Clearly. Yeah, I mean the one thing I am interested with AEW coming up is that there's a lot more of a working relationship. I mean, Ta- uh, Tanahashi beat Lance Archer for the. Uh, the uh, the US the IWGP US title yeah. uh, the other night and then Archer got on the mic and was like yo we're fighting in a the next match we're gonna do is fighting in AEW so Tanahashi's coming over to AEW to fight yeah like that's awesome. really that's cool awesome. Yep. that's awesome like the New Japan exposure in America is huge when they're here yep and I mm-hmm. think that working relationship is going to be really good if they can do that because there's a lot of fun things you can do. You can yeah. have a big bullet. You can have the Bullet Club or the Elite the way it's going to be. You can have Tomatonga and Jay White and all of them come in and actually face off against Kenny and the Bucks instead of just talking shit on Twitter. Like, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Like that stuff is it was cool. Just, it, the main event yeah. stuff in AEW is good. Like it's pretty good. Like anything that depend, anything that the that Jericho and them do. And then pretty much anything that the Bucks and Kenny does, I'm going to look into, I'm going to follow, and I'm pretty much going to watch. But it's, the problem is it's the other 45 minutes of 45 minutes or other hour and a half of television that they put out that I don't care about. Yeah. That's, that, that's, my, that's my issue. Yeah. That's definitely valid points. So this is a real good uh, wrestling topic there, boys. But uh, I think we're getting to the end of our time here. Hey, we did good. We did like over an hour. Pretty solid. Yeah. did like a solid hour and a half. Yeah, we killed Unfortunately, we didn't have Timmy. He responded to me maybe a half hour ago. He thought we were going on at nine. He missed the whole conversation. So, Timmy, we missed you tonight. We want you back next time. Yeah, be part of us. Timmy, our us. Timmy, us. Any, uh, Let's move on to final thoughts on any subject or what we want to end the show with here. Uh, Kyle, take it away. Uh, final thoughts, just from what we talked about today. Um, I don't like the way that the Giants look going into the NFL season. The Yankees are going to win the division and probably win it by about five to six games on over the Red Sox. And 
I don't like the product for AEW, but I like where they're going. Um, and the SummerSlam is probably going to be a pretty good card, uh, minus the eight matches that don't seem like they're main event matches. <laughs> That's my final thoughts. Mark? Um, basically, I, I'm a fan of the Steelers' offseason. I'm optimistic, but realistic. Hopefully for a wild card, praying for the division. Agreed, Yankees are going to make the playoffs. Maybe not the division, but Yankees are going to make the playoffs. Hopefully a deep playoff run. Um, SummerSlam should be good. We've got a few uh, few matches I'm excited about. The other eight on the card I can give a shit about, but hopefully they're still entertaining. And uh, we didn't touch on it, but I think NXT, the NXT show on Sunday is going to be very good. I think there's a lot of good matches, and the NXT product is pretty solid. So last least... match, last matches we're going to get for NXT, that is the same product that we lo- we've come to love. <laughs> Whatever exactly. it becomes after think, that, who knows? I think right. it's going to be very. I think it's going to be a really good show, and I think it's going to be a good time. So. Right. Yeah, what do you got? Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm realistic, not optimistic about the Eagles off season. Uh, I don't think we make the playoffs. Um, I think we we're building towards the future, though. I think we, you know some good times might be ahead for us. Uh, the Mets. Um, we need somebody other than P. Alonso to hit the ball, even though he only hits it, you know, one out of every four. Uh, but uh, we, you know, our year's kind of gone downhill. But if we can. Push, push through the end of this season with some, you know, easier games. Squeak into the playoffs. We'll have a healthy Jacob Degrom, and who knows, we can make something of it. I doubt it. Um, as far as uh, SummerSlam, I'm all here for Edge and uh, Seth Rollins match. I don't care a whole ton for most of the rest of the card. Uh, AEW. I want to see the end of the climax of the Five Labors of Jericho. I would want to see uh, the Jurassic Express get some push. I love those guys; they're phenomenal. And uh, yeah, I think that's that. That wraps up anything I said tonight. Cool. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on our podcast. Whether you join us live or whether you're going to be listening to this um, in the future, uh, we do this podcast every Wednesday night. Um, we will find a time that works the best for us. But currently, right now, we're looking around seven, anywhere from seven to nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, I'll be streaming, so um, I'll let everybody keep knowing when it's coming around. Uh, thank you so much to Geller and to Clark who joined us, uh, and they're going to be joining us throughout the rest of this podcast future uh, weekly. Um, just keep in mind, you know, everybody has their own projects going around, so we support each other. And if you guys have anything to add, ask, or support um, that you need help with, we're there for you guys as well. So until um, next time, this is the Hacks Hangout Podcast. We appreciate all your help and signing off for Clark and Geller. We'd love to see it. See you guys.